Greetings, horror fans, and welcome to episode 230 of Frightmares. I'm your host, Austin Proctor, and joining me across the table, sans CJ today, because our wonderful, uh, well, my wonderful in-laws, wonderful in-laws have taken CJ out for a bit, is my wife, Gabrielle Proctor. Yay, I can speak at full volume. I mean, you can always speak at full volume, but now you can speak fuller at full volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, woohoo. So... They are out at Target doing whatever you do with a baby, you know, push her around in a stroller, make funny faces at her. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we're here. Um, I was going to say we're here, we're queer, get used to it, but that is, <laughs> that is, no. <laughs> That's not it. Very weird if we were gay because we're married. So, I mean, hey. What? <laughs> well, it wouldn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Unless we were bisexual. You're either implying that gay people can't get married. No, no. Or one of us couldn't be bisexual. No, I'm saying it'd be, it'd be, it'd be Would weird. Would you like to try this again? <laughs> it's already it's already off the rails. Goodness. Uh, Austin doesn't believe in gay marriage. That is not, not true. That is a concept. Oh my God. Now you're, just, now you're just raking me over the coals because I can't fucking talk. Jesus. I'm going to tell Will he's not going to let you be his best man anymore. Hey, we bought him that, what is it, the gayest place in town, uh, floor, a doormat for his house. He's very excited about that. <laughs> I fucking That's, love that doormat. Our, our uh, best friend is moving into our neighborhood. So well, one of our best friends. So exciting. Yes. It's very exciting. But uh, yeah, so it's just me and you rocking out today. We're talking about a movie called Resurrection. No, not the Rebecca Hall one from 2022. No, not Halloween Resurrection. No, not whatever other Resurrection it is. This the is show. The show. Yeah, this is Resurrection from, I was thinking The Resurrected. This is Resurrection from 1999 starring Christopher Lambert, as I'm told it's not Lambert. because he is Lambert. He is French, so. He's not French. I think Fr he's, can he's French. French Canadian? Something. Same, I don't same, know. same thing. He doesn't sound like he's from America. I can say that. Yeah, he his his American accent and this really he was straining to say things. Did, did you notice it after I pointed it yeah. out where it sounds like he's having a hard time saying words? He's and like he's like trying to speak through his accent. <laughs> yeah, because it feels like every sentence is really forced, but you hear him say one thing in French to another guy, and it's perfect French. And yeah. you're like, so. <laughs> So you definitely have some sort of accent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited for this one. This is uh, w welcome back to No Vinegar Syndrome, where we are doing Vinegar Syndrome movies. Uh, this one's not a trauma, although we do have another trauma coming up. Somehow I picked two traumas this month. I was that was completely unintentional, but it's not a surprise as they you know as Vinegar Syndrome released them. So um, do have a lot of good horror news today, though, as per usual. Starting off with. Um, so there's a new A24 horror movie coming out called Opus, and Amber Midthunder and Ayo Itabiri, if I'm saying that correctly, are going to star in said horror movie. Uh, this is the latest horror from genre titans. A24 has officially been cast uh, and given a title thanks to Deadline's exclusive reveal that Amber Midthunder from Prey, I believe she was the lead in that. And Ayo Edabiri from Bottoms and John Milk, uh, John, John Milkovich, John Milkovich, or John Malkovich, or John Malkovich from Being John Malkovich, which I've heard is a fucking crazy movie that I've I seen part of it yeah. and it was so odd. I want to see it. So they're gonna be the uh, you know like top cast in this movie. This is actually marking the oh man, it is early. I am tired. I'm sleep deprived. I can't fucking talk. I'm sorry. This is marking the first feature of writer-director Mark Anthony Green. Opus is said to center on, quote, an icon pop star's return following his decade-long's uh, disappearance. And this is supposed to be a horror movie, so... Fun. Sound interesting. It's like, what, 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 it's like what would happen if Once Upon a Star had a, had a horror element to it? Um, Deadline also reports that alongside Mid-Thunder, Itabiri, and Malkovich, uh, the cast also includes Stephanie... Suganami from Power Book 2 Ghost, uh, Emmy nominee Young Mazzino from Beef, and Tatanka Means from Killers of the Flower Moon. So this is like a very diverse cast, mm -hmm. and I love that. Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me since it's A24. They typically usually are very, you know, diverse. But this is nice to see, um, you know, these people just getting the spotlight. Like, I like that. Yeah. 
I didn't mean to say these people in a derogatory way. <laughs> what that, do you that... mean, you people? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? What do you mean? I just mean you people? these people that I am currently talking about. <laughs> um, Yellow Jacket Superstar. You're crushing it today. <laughs> I am killing it. Yellow Jacket Superstar Juliet Lewis is apparently also in talks for a role. This will be uh, Mid Thunder's second, which that is a fucking awesome name. Uh, second outing with A24, following her role in this year's Dream Scenario. If you haven't seen the trailer for Dream Scenario, go watch that because everyone, everyone. I mean, I wish I could dream of Nick Cage too. You know, you can if you believe. <laughs> you can, you have to believe. So Opus will see her return to the horror genre since the Emmy and Fangoria Chainsaw Award-winning Prey. I, when I so when I read this at first, I was like, "Oh, Opus, is this like a follow up to Prey?" Even though they are doing a follow up to Prey, and it's set in like World War II, which is going to be fucking banana sandwich. Uh, so, furthermore, as you might expect from a movie about a pop star, we can expect some banging tunes from Opus. As Deadline notes in the report that addition quote additional EPs include musical artists The Dream and Nile Rodgers, who also pen original songs for the film. Producers will include Colin Creighton and Brad Weston for Make Ready. Uh, Poppy Hanks and Jeleny Johnson from Macro Film Studios and Josh Bachove. Macro's Charles D. King will executive produce alongside Sarah Newkirk Simon. No, um, you know, no real synopsis yet besides what I said about the, you know, the iconic pop star's return following his decade-long disappearance, but A24 and horror, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit that one out. Plus, again, I, I, I really enjoy the very diverse cast, so I definitely have to see that. Next up here, we have a new Fear Street movie in the works at Netflix. That's right. You remember those three movies that came... What was it like? Was it 2020 that those came out? Or 2021 where they released like one every week for like three weeks? Yeah, that wasn't too long ago. Yeah. I know we were at the uh, townhome then, so it had it to be... It says right there, 2021. Hey, look, 2021. There you go. We were still at the townhome? Oh, yeah. I guess we moved in here August of 2020 uh, 2021. So, following the hit trilogy of Lee Jan Janiac's... Uh, Fear Street movies that hit Netflix in 2021. Collider has uh, recently revealed the fourth standalone Fear Street is currently in the works over at the streaming giant. I don't know about that. Um, speaking at the grand opening of the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, head of Netflix film Scott Stuber answered Collider's question about the future of Fear Street, which legendary horror author and series creator R.L. Stein had pretty much confirmed last month. Starring... Kiana Madaria from She Never Dies, Sadie Singh from Stranger Things, uh, Fred Hetchinger from The Woman in the Window, and Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. The original trilogy was set over the span of several decades. Each film subtitled Part 1, 94, Part 2, 1978, and Part 3, 1666, respectively, and followed a group of teenagers taking on an evil force that has plagued their town of Shadyside for centuries. This episodic release proved a hit with fans, and Netflix clearly took notice. So... Sadie Sink was from 78, and Maya Hawk was from 94. I don't know if the other ones were in the any of the they other ones. Uh, Sadie Sink was also in 1666. Was she? Yeah, all of them were at some point. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they kind of recap. Yeah, they kind of went back. That's why, that's why I liked 1666 the most, is because they went back. I mean, kind of spoiler alert, but hey, whatever. They went back over the uh, previous two movies and kind of went to those years as well. So Stuber went on to assure horror fans that the recent few years of box office blockbusters have not gone unnoted or unnoticed by the streaming giant who are keen to establish themselves further into the horror genre. Um, nothing really on the, you know, what's going to happen. But I mean, hey, I, I really enjoyed those Fear Street movies, to be honest. Yeah, no, I thought they were great. Yeah. Um, very talkative today. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what this one does. I don't know if they're going to like... I don't know. It'd be. I don't know if they're gonna try to like intertwine all the stories. It did say standalone, so. Um, but it's nice to see Arl Stein. You know, getting more stuff out there. Absolutely. Yeah, we still have to watch the new uh, Goosebumps series. Yes, with Justin Long. Yeah. Yeah, and still need to still need to watch so much shit. Still got to watch Chucky season two because season three is out. Oh, and by the way, the SAG after strike is over. They settled on a three year deal. So that's nice. People can get back to work. But I have a feeling there's going to be a pretty big gap in uh, coming up here soon in movies because nothing got done for quite some time. So I feel like the beginning of next year is going to be pretty quiet. Yeah, probably. I don't know what you, what you think on that. But uh, that means Stranger Things should go back into production. That means Deadpool 3 should probably be going back into production. 
Um, which apparently, too, Deadpool 3 is the only Marvel movie we're getting next year due to all the, like, strike. Oh, all of them got pushed, yeah. Yeah, all, everything got pushed. So the only thing we're getting next year is Deadpool 3, which is, I mean, that's fine. I've been waiting on that one for ages. And, you know, Hugh Jackman's going to be there and in, in there as Wolverine, so that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that should be pretty fun. I'm excited Very for that. Very excited. All right, going down here. Uh, Terrifier 3, y'all. <laughs> We've been... Uh, Keeping you up to date on what's going on, but it is going to be a Christmas horror movie, which seems weird. Nah, I mean, not really. If they've done a lot around Halloween, they could just be trying to change it up by switching to a different holiday. And oh, what? And Thanksgiving's not as easy to do. They're already doing a Thanksgiving movie this year. Uh, Christmas we, is the obvious choice. Yeah, no, and I, and I'm not complaining because I like cr- the Christmas horror like subgenre is like one of my favorites. It's just it just seems weird because you know the, the the first ones were you know more more Halloween centered but you're right you know just the next logical step would be they should really just do art uh, at any holiday <laughs> just start doing art at Valentine's Day Easter. Uh, Easter that would be great him, him as the Easter Bunny Fourth of July I mean you could really just place art in any any um, holiday and just see what happens but yeah this is going to be a Christmas horror movie I'm I'm excited for it because of what I just said that I love holiday horror movies. Um, so Art the Clown is here to bring some holiday cheer, or more accurately, some holiday gore and lots of it. That's because uh, the first official poster for Terrifier 3 has been released recently, the upcoming entry into the budding slasher franchise that will haunt theaters next holiday season. If this artwork is anything to go on, Art will not be pulling any punches this time around. I mean, they don't really ever pull any punches. <laughs> Damien Leone just fucking goes for it, uh, as he's going to carve a path of bloody destruction next Christmas. Also, the first five minutes of this movie are apparently so offensive that Hollywood is like, yeah, we don't want anything to do with this. And if Hollywood doesn't want anything to do with your film, that means it's going to be amazing. Yeah. They literally scare. I mean, it's not like he even needs Hollywood's help. I mean, you know, he made millions of dollars on Terrifier 2, so it's not like he needs help. He's got the money to make this movie, and this one's getting a theatrical release just like Terrifier 2, and I'm sure it'll probably, you know, be record it'll make records just like terrifier 2 did for the indie uh subgenre uh or not subgenre just the indie community and also it's going to be coming to theaters uncut and uh like which i don't understand how they allow movies that aren't rated to go i don't know how that works you have to be 18 or older there is no if you're with a guardian they just change how you can get into those okay that makes sense. But yeah, this is exciting because I, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Terrifier fan. I, I my only my only thing is for the love of God, please make it less than two and a half hours. Can we go back to like eighty four minutes? Because that would be amazing. That's my biggest gripe I've said a million times on this show is too fucking long. Um the poster was first revealed by Bloody Disgusting and was cooked up by Uncle Frank Productions. It also features Art the Clown, or it features Art the Clown front and center with a bloody Santa bib around his neck, like it's literally Santa's face that he is skinned off and thrown around his neck. It's fucking crazy. Um, he's also brandishing a very bloody axe. We also see a dead body on the foot behind him, as well as evidence of further bloodshed in and around the tree. It's just a poster, but it's evident that this is going to be a very bloody affair. And like I said, I'm pretty sure in the first five minutes a uh, a kid dies because the teaser. <laughs> So the teasers in front of Terrifier 2, like I mentioned, that went went back to theaters, and the amount of people in theaters filming that and posting it online, I'm like, how? Like, what is this? It's just so bizarre. Like, you know, that's completely and 100% illegal to to film something in a theater, and people are just yeah, yeah whatever, just nonchalantly posting that they're they're like illegal activity online. I'm like, this is how you get in trouble. But okay, so I saw the first you know first few minutes of the trailer or the teaser, and. Yeah, apparently uh, a kid is going to meet a very untimely demise in the first five minutes. It's like, God damn, Leone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Dam- uh, director Damien Leone had this to say about the upcoming sequel. Uh, we're going to have a bigger budget. We're shooting an anamorphic widescreen, so I want it to feel more like an old school John Carpenter movie. I'm still, It's still going to have that epic feeling of part two, but now have the tone of part one with Christmas, which is exactly what I fucking want. It's going to be a completely different beast. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different, but it's still going to have everything you love in it, but it's going to be very fresh. It's not going to be like you're sitting through part one or part two all over again. So, yeah. 
Yay. <laughs> you still haven't even seen two and you've seen one like I've half seen the of the second half of one. Well, you're going to have to watch one and two because we're going to go to the theaters to watch those. Terrifier 3 is set to hit theaters on October 25th. Wow, for our fifth wedding anniversary. Can't wait to do that. Yes. Who wouldn't? No, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to. It better be in theaters in Christmas, like in December, because I don't want, I don't want to go see a Christmas horror movie in fucking no, in November or October. I don't know why this doesn't release like, you know, December 1st. I guess maybe because they want to have it during spooky season, but I'm I'm in I'm in Halloween mode. I'm not even thinking about Christmas in October. No. No. And these fucking people in this goddamn neighborhood already have Christmas shit up, and I'm they like, they do not have Christmas no, stuff. No, up. no, no, no. Uh, the neighbor, D- uh, Dave, right? D- David. David. He's got Christmas lights up. He doesn't celebrate fucking Diwali. That you know. That I know. <laughs> Sorry, we have a lot of uh, Indian neighbors, and we thought that they were celebrating Christmas. We're like, nope, it's Diwali. Diwali. Okay, this makes much more sense The, cele- the celebration of lights, yeah. we're like, what the hell's with all the Christmas lights? Oh. And there is one house, uh, one street over, that has, like, they did, like, the professional lighting that they ha- they hired someone. So I'm like, guys, it's fu- fucking November night. It's, like, November 10th today. Can we fuck off with the lights? After Thanksgiving is the only acceptable time for Christmas lights. Makes much more sense when it's Diwali, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. I've got two more things here. We got a trailer for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, which is turning NYC into a frozen hellscape. This is a direct sequel to the 2021's mildly divisive Ghostbusters Afterlife. The latest chapter in this long-running franchise brings the action back to the Ghostbusters' hometown of New York City, and adds a murderer's row of funny people, including, what does that mean? Adds a murderer's row of funny people. Just and, like a who's who of, uh, oh. yeah. Including Patton Oswalt, Kumail Nanjani, and the UK's James Arcaster. Who's James Arcaster? A caster? Because there's no R in there. A caster. Um, looking it up. Keep going. All right. So, um, how does this look? Well, it's New York covered in ice spikes. Patton Oswalt doing what Patton Oswalt does best, explaining nerdy stuff. Brief shots of a horned ghost who we absolutely would not want to fuck with. And uh, we're, we're, we're into pretty much everything going on here and look forward to seeing more. Remember, this is just the teaser trailer, so things could change. It looks like he's just a comedian, oh, okay. um, but I don't recognize anything he's been in. Oh, well, that's good. So the official synopsis is, in Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, the Spangler family returns to where it all started, the iconic New York City firehouse, to team up with the original Ghostbusters who've developed a top-secret research lab to take busting ghosts to the next level. But when the discovery of an ancient artifact unleashes an evil force, Ghostbusters, new and old, must join forces to protect their home and save the world from a second ice age. Fun. Sounds weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thoughts, feelings, go. Uh, the trailer looks fun. I have some questions. Um, <laughs> I think we all have a few questions. But I really enjoyed the last one, so I'm in. I like it was a good time. It had a good mix of nostalgia, but like new. And um, they weren't constantly like, "Do you remember Ghostbusters? Do you remember that movie? Yeah, that's that's a great movie. Let's keep constantly throwing that in your face." Like they did their own thing. Yeah, it was yeah. it was fun and uh, really heartfelt to me. So I'm excited to see the next one. Yeah, I'm, I mean, okay, let me throw that. And I, and like McKenna Grace to me, I haven't seen anything I didn't like her in, so. Um, I, I'm, yeah, sorry, go ahead. She's a powerhouse actress for being as young as she is. Yeah, she's like fucking 12 or 13 or something, and everything she's been in, she kills it. Like, I'm so excited to watch her career as she, you know, gets older and just like see where she goes because she is seriously so fucking talented for how young she is and i'm i'm yeah and she was great in the first not the first one but you know the the remake requel whatever you want to call it first one of these first one of these yeah and i'm wondering like you know i don't are they gonna do like a trilogy are they just gonna kind of you know beat this until it's dead i don't know but i mean i really enjoyed afterlife i thought it was a great addition to the franchise um you know, and I really like the fact that they did throw homage to the original Ghostbusters in a very like sweet way. But it looks like this time they're gonna be fucking you know helping them. So yeah, that's so we're cool. gonna get more of the original Ghostbusters, which I think is what people wanted. So yeah, because there's not much of them in Afterlife, and that's probably why people were like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, but you know, like some people, some people just don't know how to have fun. Just like turn your brain off and watch the movie because it was really good. Like this, not only was the story good, but it connected to the first one in a very, like I said, a very wholesome way. Because isn't um wasn't McKenna Grace? Wasn't that it was Spangler's like granddaughter? Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. a good time. I'm very excited. 
Um, in addition to Oswald, Nanjani, and Acaster, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire will also star Paul Rudd, obviously, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Emily Allen, Lind, Ernie Hudson, McKenna Grace, Finn Wolfhard, Logan Kim, Celeste O'Connor, Annie Potts, and Carrie Coon. Um, <laughs> I didn't think that CG rendering of that character was that bad. Of Harold Ramis? Yeah. No, I, honestly, like I get it because he had passed away yeah. and everything, but I thought it was a really nice... Nice like, one. sweet moment for the fans of the Ghostbuster franchise to get to say goodbye to him, but keeping his legacy alive. Yeah, and it was, like, I was getting a little teary-eyed. I was like, oh, this is so, so sweet. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah, it was a nice little little thing. So, yeah, it's a pretty stat cast. I mean, you add Kumail Nanjani to anything, and I'm I'm fucking there. He is he's probably my like one of my favorite like top five comedians of all time yeah, and pat Oswalt is also Pat Oswalt's just awesome yeah and because he's also a comedian that does stand up um, you just got to see him in an episode of dollhouse yeah i did you just randomly in that just randomly showed up in dollhouse i was like hey pat Oswalt. yeah because you were like you uh i can't wait to see your reaction to the like the uh like the cameo or whatever and i was like i'm trying to think of who it could be and then and then it was not the person i ever expected i was like pat Oswalt. you're like yep you're all like, right. oh, Picture the most random cameo in a show you could. <laughs> and here's Pat Oswalt. Here's Pat Oswalt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. One last thing here before we get on to what we've seen recently. Boop, boop, boop. Oh, I scroll past it. So there's a new movie coming out called Walden, which involves a Amelia Hirsch. If you don't know who Amelia Hirsch is, probably most notably for Speed Racer, I'd say. Oh God, yeah. Hey, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. The movie's fucking awesome. Don't you don't you talk shit about Speed Racer. But he was also in the autopsy of Jane Doe with Brian Cox, and that was a phenomenal movie. So Yeah, it's a really good one. Amelia Hirsch stars in this bloody revenge thriller Walden, previously known as the Stenographer. Completely different names. Um, from mm. Modi Gliani director Mick Davis, and we're excited to bring you a brand new exclusive clip. I mean, I'm not gonna bring it to you, Fangoria will. Um, there's a clip that's in this article. So Collider is describing this as his creepiest role yet. Uh, Hirsch stars as Walden Dean, a stenographer whose mind witnessed all types of injustices in the courtroom. After discovering he has a terminal illness, repressed anger deep within him surfaces, taking justice into his own hands in the most gruesome ways imaginable. That sounds awesome. Fun. Sounds like he's going to be a a cold-blooded killer. Oh, hey, Shane West. Alongside Hirsch, Walden also stars Shane West, A Walk to Remember, Kelly Garner from Horns, Tanya Raymond from Goliath, and David Keith as uh, from Officer and a Gentleman. An Officer and a Gentleman. From A Officer and a Gentleman. A Officer and and Gentleman. Um, you can watch Walden in select theaters from no- on November 10th uh, and on, oh, from, t- from today and on demand and digital from December 12th. So we'll have to wait a couple of months for that. But, you know, hey, whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So what's going on? You're you're so not talkative today. You usually have so much to say, but you're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. It's very yeah. dense news. I don't know what you want me to say to this stuff. Thoughts, feelings, opinions. Sounds fun. Good. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Let's talk about some things that me and you have recently watched. Oh boy, what have we watched together? Um. The so obviously the thirty one days of horror is over. Uh, I watched a whole bunch of shit, but recently, what we watched something the other day. That, oh, yeah, we watched Hell House, LLC, Origins, the Carmichael Manor. That's the longest fucking name. I want to hear your thoughts on that, and I'm sure everyone else does, so go. I thought it was uh, pretty fun. It was certainly better than the fucking third movie. Jesus, that movie was terrible. I'm, I'm glad me and you share the same like, thoughts that the third one was just fucking trash. We just kept waiting for something to happen. And then you got to the end and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, sorry. Um, And it went too far into the whole portal to hell thing. It, like it went way too far. You like they, they missed the point there. They missed the mark. This felt more like a return to form. Um, Some of the tie in was a little kind of uh took it out for me like took out some of the scariness of the original film mm-hmm. uh but i don't want to say what that was because that would be a spoiler yeah that's fair yeah so uh a reveal for something that happened uh, for a character in the first two films and who that was in this film kind of took away the creepiness of that character because you're like oh so that's who that was this whole time all right then but 
there were some good scares. Um, I personally would have left the house much earlier than everybody else. And that one, and the one girl is like, we should all stay. Like, the fuck we should. You can stay here. I know we're a couple, but that sounds like a you problem if you are that certain we need to stay. I'm certain I need to leave. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, but see, I don't even think it really would have mattered when they left because the car didn't start. So it's like, would it have mattered when they tried to, when, when it, like, if they would have tried to leave earlier? I think so because um, it, things had really just gotten going. Um, and they had already left for the day earlier that day. True. So the car could have still been working at that time. Yeah, I think that's my biggest problem is like some creepy shit happened. Like that one scare with around the corner. Oh my god! After that, I've been like, you know what? I'm f- I fuck this. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm, I'm gone. But yeah, that's the one thing because one girl because there's a um there's a gay couple in this and one of the girls is, is like no let's stay and the other one's like I'm leaving and the, uh, the the other girl is just keeps convincing her to stay like I'm sorry if we were in that situation I'm fucking leaving goodbye oh and also we're gonna <laughs> stay till two o'clock and then we're leaving absolutely leaving it's four o'clock bitch nah if I have to <laughs> make it nah. like hell no. This house is miles into the woods, and I want as much daylight to get away as possible. Yeah. Um. I also think it's funny. I think about this even in uh, watching like Cabin in the Woods when someone's like, "Oh, there are people outside. We have to go back to the house." The house is a central object. Um, you could go in any fucking any direction, direction, and I doubt they've got that many fucking people in the woods that you could not evade them in one of the hundreds of other directions you could choose to go yeah like go behind the house and start moving jesus why would you go not only back in the house but up the fucking stairs let's get in to make it harder to get out again yeah let's get on the second floor so that way if we get cornered we'll have to jump out the window but on that note of going any other way it's like it's like in horror movies and someone's being chased by a car and they just fucking run straight instead of running to why do they always do that in horror movies you're being chased by a car Go to the left or go to the right. Like, what are you doing? There are plenty of narrow alleyways, plenty of backyards. Run anyway. Trees. They can't drive between all the trees. (laughs) Trees are not car far enough apart most of the time. Uh, But yeah, I think this one was very effective with the spookiness and the scares. They literally pulled a scare twice. Same exact scare. I gasped both times. I was like, <gasps> and then I was like, they're going to do it again, aren't they? I'm like, no, they're not going to do it again. And then did it again. I was like, how did they fucking do the same scare twice? And I was just as equally scared. Um, but yeah, it really vibes like the first one. And the reveal, while I do agree with you, is kind of like, kind of does take out some of like the steam, you know, from the first movie. You're like, oh, well, now you kind of made it like real. Not a fan of that. But it also adds to the story about the cult and how they, you know, like get people. So I thought that part was super cool. Yeah, it adds a skosh of a Scooby Doo vibe. Yeah, I know. Uh but yeah, and there's also uh like there's one thing that usually doesn't move that moves it doesn't move on screen, you know, it's like it'll pan away and the head'll move in, but like it's actually moving around in this one and I was like, but like no, it's not supposed to. But when the reveal happens you understand, but you're like Oh, oh you're like, okay. Uh, you're like, oh, I don't Damn. know that I wanted to know that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a, a phenomenal film. Definitely better than two and three for sure. And yeah, it's just, it's a very, it's a very good, like, ooky spooky time. Yeah. No, it was fun. Even uh, Mike Flanagan liked it. Oh yeah. Mike Flanagan gave it like a raving review. And even um, I saw them post about it on Facebook. They were like, thank you, Mike Flanagan for the kind words. I would faint, honestly, if Mike Flanagan had, A, watched a movie I made and then, like, gushed about it. Goals. Yeah. Absolute goals. Um, And then the other thing I saw recently, which I didn't, which you didn't see, was something called Project Eerie. I actually uh, covered this twice on my, uh, on the TikTok channel. I did an unboxing of it and then I did a review of it. And it's a little anthology film made by the same people who did the fear footage. And it's a really cool little, it's a cool little movie. Like, I love little indie kind of underground movies. And this has three stories with a wraparound. And um, it's surprisingly meta if you order the Blu-ray from thefearfootage.com. And when and if you do that and you get it in, you'll see what I mean when you watch the movie. But 
It's also streaming on Amazon. You can rent it or buy it. Go check it out. Go support local, or it's local. <laughs> Go support indie filmmaking and uh, watch both of these movies. If you want to check out Hell House LLC Origins, that's also uh, that's on Shutter, and I believe the other three Hell Houses are on Shutter as well. So. Go check those movies out, um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I've uh, all I've got for well, what we've watched recently. You want to get onto this IMDb roundup here? Probably. Probably. All right. So, have we seen this? I had seen this one time prior. You had not seen this. This was a first time watch for you. Yeah. <laughs> you sound so enthusiastic. Yeah. This would be my third Christopher Lambert film. Lambert, the first two being. I'll get there in a second. So this is Resurrection from 1999, released on May 24th of that year in the U.S. of A. This is rated R for strong violence slash gore, language, and some nudity. Uh, mild, so we've got mild sex and nudity, severe violence and gore, moderate profanity, about 10 fucks, no alcohol, drugs, or smoking, and severe violence and gore. I put a little too many E's in there. Mm-hmm. Severe. Coming in at an hour and 48 minutes, listed as a crime, drama, horror, mystery, thriller, so many directed by a man named Russell Mulcahy who has also directed 165 things which is crazy I thought they were all movies but they're they're not movies but he also did Highlander he did Resident Evil Extinction which is my favorite Resident Evil and my favorite yes and a cornucopia of music videos for people like Elton John Duran Duran Supertramp Billy Joel and more so that's probably why this movie Looked the way it did. Had those random <laughs> shots where like the screen went wonky. And you're like, why do you keep doing that? I just, I weirdly loved that though. I don't know why. I'm so confused because it's so it happened so sporadically. You're like, what's is he having a stroke? What are we doing? Yeah, a stroke of genius. Jesus. <laughs> um. We've got written by Brad Merman, who did the story and screenplay, and also wrote something called Crime Spree. And Christopher Lambert, who is primarily an actor and helped with this movie, writing it. That's it. His only writing credit mm-hmm. for this. Produced by nine people, none of which stood out to me, unfortunately. We've got composed by Jim McGrath, who also composed 373 episodes of Degrassi, The Next Generation. But you can really see in this film. <laughs> yeah. Cinematography by Jonathan uh, Jonathan Freeman, who did nine episodes of Game of Thrones and 12 episodes of Boardwalk Empire. Edited by Gordon McClellan, who also edited something called Alligator Shoes, and seems to be doing a whole slew of TV Christmas movies nowadays. Probably for, you know, lifetime. I almost said Cinemax. L- lifetime. <laughs> if, lifetime. Cinemax or, Christmas yes. porn. Yeah. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Yes! Um, or Hallmark or some shit. So, starring Christopher Lambert as John Perdome, who was also in Highlander as Connor McLeod and Mortal Kombat as Raiden. Then we've got... McLeod, Le- Jesus Christ. What did I say? McLeod. <laughs> I'm struggling today. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. McLeod. So, and you've now listed the two films I've seen Christopher Lambert This in. being the third... Uh, we've got Leland Orser as Detective Andrew Hollinsworth, who was also in Taken as Sam. We've got Robert Joy as Demas, who was also in Land of the Dead as Charlie and The Hills Have Eyes remake as Lizard. Barbara Tyson as Sarah Perdome, who was also in Final Destination as Barbara Browning. Uh, Peter McNeil as Captain Whipley, who was also in David Cronenberg's Crash as Colin Seagrave and... We've got David Cronenberg. I, I, he's not in a lot of the movie. I just had to include him because he doesn't act a lot. And I wish I told you this when we were watching. I was like, I wish he did because I, he, I think he is actually a very talented actor that doesn't do enough. Um, but yeah, if you don't know who David Cronenberg is, maybe Google him because he's done quite a few fucking amazing 80s movies and even, you know, 90s and 2000s movies. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, he plays he plays Father Russell. Um, estimated budget of 10 million. No worldwide box office gross. I'll tell you why once we get to the trivia. Filmed in Toronto, Canada, Louisiana, and Chicago. Uh, you can watch this on Freebie and Tubi. Movies that came out around the same time. We have David Cronenberg's Existence, Idle Hands, The Mummy, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Tarzan, Big Daddy, South Park, Bigger Longer, and Uncut, Wild Wild West, American Pie, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead, The Blair Witch Project, Muppets from Space, Eyes Wide Shut, and Lake Placid. 
Holy shit. What a okay, what a time on. what a time to be alive. One. Well, don't count them out. I'm not looking. Ah, don't count them out loud. I can probably tell you which ones you haven't seen without you even giving me a number. Honestly. Okay, I got a number, but go ahead. All right, you haven't seen Existence. Yep. You've seen Idle Hands. Mm-hmm. Obviously seen The Mummy. Duh. Obviously seen Star Wars. Yep. Obviously seen uh, Austin Powers. Yep. Tarzan seen that. Yep. Have you seen, I don't think you've seen Big Daddy. Have you? Okay, I don't know. Okay. Have I? Yes, you have. You haven't seen South Park. Nope. Obviously seen Wild Wild West. Of course I have. Never seen American Pie or Candyman. Nope. Oh, Blair Witch Project. You've seen Blair Witch. Yes. Uh, I showed you Muppets from Space. I've seen, I saw Muppets. For, who do you th- do you think I just didn't watch movies before I met you or something? No, I, I thought I showed you that for the first time. No, oh, okay. I saw that in theater. Haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut and seen Lake Placid. Yep. Ho! Very nice. Yay. Specific horror moments. Go. Oh, God. Don't you, da- don't you dare. <laughs> I swear okay. to you. Here's the deal. <laughs> this movie was so campy to me. Um, do you, it's like, uh, there was that moment, um, I guess the, seeing the body altogether was really special, but, um, some of the moments that were supposed to be super traumatic just kind of made me laugh. And I was like, I think I'm the wrong audience perhaps for this. Cause, uh, there was the guy losing his leg. You're like, that's super gory. But Christopher Lambert's aggressive, like, leap, practically trying to shove his face into this guy's leg socket, trying to stop the bleeding, and the blood's just shooting all over his face. I'm, like, trying really hard not to laugh, because it's so, like, aggressive. I told you, when Christopher Lambert was doing this, he was either at a 2 or a 10, and nowhere in between. And I loved that. Absolutely loved it. So I'm like, you know, this scene's supposed to be gory, and the gore effect on it, like the leg when you see it, great. However, the guy whimpering for help, and then him just screaming while trying to like stop the blood, but it's just shooting into his face. It was really funny. So what's your answer? The leg, I guess, but the shot, not the scene. Yes, that's mine as well, because Perdome like is looking for... You know, we'll we'll get to where why he's looking for this guy, but he pulls back the curtain and the yeah, the the guy's just sitting there like cut at the like, hip, w- yeah, hip like butt area, full leg just gone, and I don't even know how this guy is alive. You'd be unconscious. I think I'd be passed out from fucking. Uh, You'd have passed out from shock, shock first, but go. then you'd just be dead from blood loss. So the fact that the guy's even saying words is a miracle. Yeah, but that one was definitely the most shocking because up until that point, you've only really seen the aftermath, like the dead bodies. You haven't seen a person who's actively living, like gushing blood. And I was like, yeah. So that's my uh, horror moment. Um, favorite kill. Just say it. I know what you're, <laughs> I, I you're going to say. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Detective Christopher Lambert. Um, Perdome. Yeah, Detective Christopher Lambert. Uh, he has this moment where it's only brought up for this and then in the climax and not the rest of the film. It's it's super odd. No, it's not. It's, I mean, it's, it's peppered in throughout the entire film. It's... But I mean, like, the focus on it is just kind of brought in to give a reason why he's not home all the time. It, it's not like a And super... why he's disconnected from his wife. Yeah, it wasn't strong to me, in my opinion, but they do a flashback to how this man lost his son because they were teaching him how to bike, and I guess they fell over at some point, and the kid didn't think that he should stop pedaling towards traffic. It's a kid. He doesn't know any better. They obviously didn't teach him to look left or right before crossing And the so he tries street. to catch the kid. He leaps. His hand just doesn't make it. This kid is way away from traffic, by the way, when this starts. The yeah. fact that no one was able to stop him, amazing. I love how the mom is watching this happen, and it's just kind of like... And then doesn't start to do anything until he's like in the road. She's like, nah! and then she is a head flailing thing, which I was also <laughs> laughing at. Um, but when oh, the kid falls God. into the road, he f- like is on his bike and then flops sideways. So basically, he gets hit in the neck with the car. And I was like, it looks like they just pushed the dummy over right in front of the car. They did because he doesn't even try to swerve. He just flops over just in time. You're like. I, I may have laughed way too hard at that. You did. And I may have made some inappropriate jokes. You later. did. Yeah. There's a point later where he's running between uh, some luggage cars. Um, and 
he falls between two and almost gets a luggage car to the neck. And I'm like, oh, no, just like his son. <sighs> My God. My favorite kill was probably Jenny because of the circumstances surrounding why she died. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I just felt like that was a very impactful death. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Bummer. Uh, my uh, favorite character, did you have one? <laughs> Detective Christopher Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go with Holland uh, Hollandsworth because he is such a jackass, always joking around. His jokes never landed with love. No, you know what? I, I agree. Yeah. He's such a goofy dude, and his jokes never landed with Perdome. And then the one time Perdome tries to laugh at one of his jokes, he was like, Dude, that's not a joke. My sister got hit by a bus. And he's like, oh, shit. And then he's like, is she okay? He's like, she broke her leg. I was like, that's it? You got hit by a bus? And all you, that's pretty lucky. I, th- I thought she'd be dead by getting hit by a fucking bus. Yeah. Oh, we'll get into Christopher Lambert's portrayal here in just a oh, minute. I, feel I like, have I, some opinions. I feel like you're going to have <laughs> some thoughts. Uh, my least favorite character is the killer just because I don't like people motivated by religion because it's like, I'm killing for my religion, so it's okay. Nah, fuck that shit. They also established he was a crazy man. I know, but it's just I don't like when people weaponize religion. It fucking pisses me off. That's fair. Um, at least, but but like really, besides that, there's not really an unlikable character. Yes, the acting is not the greatest, and it is kind of campy. But there's not, there's really not like an unlikable person. I just said the killer because of the whole you know weaponizing religion. It's fucking stupid. Did you have a least favorite character? No. All right, well, I have a favorite line, and it's from Captain Whipple, I believe, when he said he's talking to Perdome, and he's like, talking to you is like pissing into the wind. And in my head, I'm like, dangerous? Like, I don't, what, what do you mean by that exactly? Because, like, you know, I obviously understand, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back and, you know, probably get on you. But I was like, the only thing I could think of by pissing into the wind is that it's dangerous because you might get, get some on you, or it's pointless. I don't know. It's pointless. Okay. You have a favorite line? No. Okay. Pretty much anything that came out of Hollandsworth was a, was a great line. Um, IMDb summary here. Chicago homicide detectives Perdome and Hollandsworth are assigned to investigate a murder. Both become entangled in the plot of a serial killer whose goal is to recreate the body of Christ. Let's get into <laughs> this. How do you want to talk about this? Do you want to just get all your uh, thoughts and feelings out first and then kind of go through the movie? Or do you want to kind of go through the movie and kind of give them to me as we go? I want to do this how it feels organic to me. Okay, well. So detect. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I mean it really just starts off like with a bang you know Perdome and his partner are investigating a murder someone's been dead for four days the killer's miss or the, the victim's missing an arm and then they find the he's coming written in blood which they later find out is lamb's blood because again it's a religious serial killer so his goal and motive is to I don't know why he doesn't just take someone who looks like Jesus. I don't know why he's what did they explain why he's doing it piece by piece by piece? Oh, sacrifices for atonement. That's right. That's right. Sacrifices for atonement. So he needs, you know, two arms, two legs, a torso and a head. And that's all they thought he needed. They thought they were going to he was going to do six killings and be done with it because that's all the that's all you need. But it turns out at the end, too, he is going after a heart to put into this Frankenstein-esque creature monster and uh, we thought, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So, and it's very clever because, you know, Perdome puts it together that, okay, all the people that are dying have names of apostles like Peter and um, Peter, Matthew, whatever the apostles' names are. And what those, pe- what those apostles did in the Bible kind of correlates to what these people do in real life. Like Matthew was a fisherman. Matthew that got killed in this, like owned a fishing or owned like a boating thing. And Peter was uh, like a tax collector or whatever. And uh, in this, you know, in, in the movie, Peter's an IRS person, or I'm probably getting all this mixed up because I can't remember who's who, but it's very clever. And they realize that the last thing he needs is the heart and it's going to be from a baby boy that's being delivered after midnight. And the mother's name's going to be Mary. And I'm like, oh, they're probably going to go take Mary's heart. No, they want the baby's heart. And I was like, that is a tiny heart. What is that going to do? Why and a baby? Al- and also like. The way that baby got manhandled on that, that baby would have some serious <laughs> physical problems afterwards. Especially because like, it was a, a brand new baby. It's not like, you know, CJ where it would be, she, she's a little bit more resilient now. That was a brand fresh out of the And she's not that resilient to begin no, with. No, but I'm just saying it's like that was a fresh, like brand new baby. So that baby's going to have some f- fucked up problems after being held upside down by the fucking foot. And flung around. And flung and around, yeah. yeah, like good grief. Uh, yeah, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I really thought it was special that Detective Lambert, after the first killing, 
you guys like, well, this could be like a one off. And he's like, no, he'll kill again. And you're like, how like you won't find any fingerprints. You don't want he doesn't want you to. And he's like, how do you know that? And then he proceeds to take some really aggressive, intuitive leaps. I mean, they're right. Sure. But it's like you are making a lot of assumptions for a case you've been working on for like half an hour. Well, the he is coming kind of hints at he's probably not done killing i know but it was just like oh you won't find pr- fingerprints because he's this type of it oh is, yeah it that- has been 30 minutes you haven't even had time to assess any kind of like clues how the fuck do you uh, are you assuming all of this out the gate yeah and I, f- I feel like the reason he knew that there was going to be more killings is that nothing was missing from the house there was still money in the guy's wallet Nothing was taken. Like the house wasn't ransacked. He just wanted that leg. Yeah, he just, that like, was it. He just went from oh, because he just took the leg. I know everything about this guy. Like okay, that's why they pay him the big bucks. Good old <laughs> Detective Perdome. And just piss in the wind instead of get mad at him. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's, like he was a fun character in the sense that like yeah, he figured some shit out. But he was so confusingly all over the place. Like, it felt like they wanted several different kind of detectives. So they took bits of all of them and committed to none of them. <laughs> so it's like the guy with the dark past, the guy who's uh, turned away from religion, the guy who's um, won't be held down by the rules, but the guy who's super into the rules. Who is he? he Can is you con- explain him as a whole character? Because he's kind of several characters. He's at conflicted. Once. So the death of That's his- for sure. The death of his son has affected him in a very deep way because, you know, he was a religious man before and went to church. And, you know, Father Russell came or Russell, whatever his name is, came to check on him. He's like, you haven't been to church in six months. And basically he has lost his faith because after his son got hit by the car, he was in a coma for five days and then eventually died. And, he, you know, he's like, I prayed and prayed. Nothing happened. So he is a very deeply affected man by the by the death of his son. It's affecting his relationship with his wife. Because all he does is just bury himself with with work and he doesn't talk to his wife and he's turned away from religion. And it's kind of poetic that he's now on the case of someone who is a religiously driven killer. So, well, and it's funny (laughs) because at one point he yells about losing the son and the wife's like, "Uh, yeah, dick, you're not the only one who lost a son. Yeah. And he, you know, comes back. He apologizes. He's like, you know what? You're right. I'm so sorry. Then goes back to ignoring her, and you're like, I'm so confused. Are you having character growth or not? Do you have to pick one? Yeah, he and, really he really tried to change there for about five whole seconds. And that's what I'm saying. It's so funny. I'm like, Jesus, his wife must have whiplash trying to figure out who he is today. And I really thought it the the killer idea was so funny to me because I'm like, it's interesting that, yeah, he's picking apostles and he's picking like quotes that are like people who even have the jobs that relate to this. But at one point, one of his legs gets away, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to do some of the legwork there, Perdome. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, so when he gets another leg, he's like, well, this leg was supposed to be with this guy, but this other guy's an apostle, too. So it's fine. I'm like. And did he also, sh- they had the same career or because now your, uh, your whole theme's falling apart. Well, remember he was talking about, you know, he left Perdome that tape that was like, if you don't tell people about me, then you're going to, you know, I'm going to pretty much, I'm going to come after you if you don't tell the world my story or whatever. And he didn't want to make it personal with Perdome, but he kind of forced his hand. And, um, there was something else I told you about why he was doing that too. Oh, my God. I told you because you asked me last night, like, why did he go take this leg? And I was like, well, it's because he oh, the leg got uh, because he interrupted him while he was. That's doing right. Yeah. That he inter- So, you know, Perdome. Oh, yeah. Let's go back to that real quick since we're on that. So the the favorite kill or the favorite the death that we both have was the same or the horror moment. Sorry. Was when Perdome is like he is like hot on the trail of this killer. And uh, because he figured out like, again, he's just putting all this shit together somehow so masterfully, even though it doesn't make sense. But there's something called the Bonner Jays, and it's the Sons of Thunder. And he believes that, you know, because there was two apostles that were brothers, I believe. And he's like, okay, so we've already got the leg from this guy. And he's like, I, he's like, oh my God, th- th- there's going to be, he's going to go after the brother of the third victim, and he's going to take that leg. So he f- somehow manages to figure all that shit out. And he goes to find 
um, the brother because he gets his address, which that was a weird house, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there because that's where he lived. Was that a warehouse? I'm sorry. Oh, no, that was a house that was on construction. Oh, okay, okay. So he finds... You know, he finds the guy and the leg is still there. So, he, you know, Perdomo's like, all right, he has to fucking be here. He doesn't have what he came for. And that's why he took the, you know, the Hollinsworth legs, because there's that awesome moment after he gets the killer gets interrupted by Perdomo, where the killer takes Hollinsworth and dresses him up in his getup and, t- and duct tapes his hands together and makes him walk out towards the cops. And it's a little like Perdomo's like, hold on, don't shoot. And right as he says that, someone takes a shotgun to Hollinsworth's leg and completely fucks it up and they have to amputate it. So that's why he goes after that leg because he's like, I still need a leg and your name was Andrew. So good enough. That and was Andrew enough. was a cop and yeah, in the and, Bible. Uh, Andrew was obviously some form of a cop. But yeah, so it, it doesn't really fit the narr- his narrative, but it, it does fit. Into, uh, they made it fit. You know, the killer's like, I'm going to make this fucking work. Well, and it's funny to me because I said it reminded me of Seven in the sense like they wanted it to be just as like intricate a reason and the details are pristine. But if you look at it, it's like they're super literal. Um, And at a certain point, he kind of just says, fuck it, I need a leg. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, my God, what a like tedious process to not only go find a guy who has the name, find one that also has the matching career. And then find a Bible verse that goes along with it so that way you can etch it into their skin. Oh, I know, right? I was right? like, Jesus, that must have taken a while to like get all these set up. And how did, they're 12 apostles. You just picked six random ones or did you pick the ones that you could find Bible verses that would work with Probably that? Probably that. With the careers. are like, that is wi- wildly overcomplicated. And the fact that the, we're doing spoilers, right? Yeah. Okay. The fact that the killer inserts himself into the investigation, you're like, bro, you had no anything for anyone to find you on. And you're like, how about I get face to face? So it's really fucking easy to find me later. I love it. I, yeah, lo- it was, I love it so you're much. You're just like, um, why they, you could have gotten away scot-free, but you decided to impersonate a real FBI agent, not just make up one that doesn't exist. You decided to find a real ass one. So that way, when they met that guy, they'd be like, oh, that's the fucking killer. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, yeah, because um, w- was... were they just not getting through the case fast enough? Because the way Detective Lambert was rolling, uh, he was having no problem intuitive leaping his ass to all the right conclusions. It was really smart in a way because, you know, he did use someone that was real. So, you know, he and he had a real card and he had all this real shit. But, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to interject yourself into the story. But just for like besides like the shock value of like what? He wasn't an FBI agent this whole time. What? He's the killer. Ah! But why would you do that? Because you're not hindering the investigation. You're helping. But also they because you know, they're not going to find you. But they had nothing on him, too. That's the thing. So I think I think it's like it was like it's like his sick way of like getting off or something you know what i mean it's like i'm gonna interject myself in here because they're never gonna know it's me and if they find out they don't have shit on me except by doing that as soon as they figure it out they like put a speed bump in his whole fucking plan because it slowed him down and you're like you actually hurt your own plan buddy yeah he really did but you didn't help at all you actually just made it worse for yourself yeah and they hold him for 48 hours but they can't they don't have anything on him The, the only thing that they can charge him with is impersonating an FBI agent, which is, you know, obviously a federal crime. Uh, But what's great is the fact that he started to do this earlier, like a few, I think what is like three or four years years back. Yeah. Two years back where he started to do this, but then got not got caught, but he got picked up for like, what do you say? Like talking to pigeons or something like that. He's wandering in a park talking to pigeons. You're like, if he's that crazy, how did he come up with this complicated scheme? And it's, but it gets even better, right? So he, that got interrupted and he got, that's how they, that's how they ended up getting him. They, or they connected the dots like, okay, so he did this one back then because they, they, you know, they matched up prints. So that's how they realized that, okay, this is him doing it now. And, um, but yeah, so I think my favorite part about that is he got locked up. So that got interrupted. He didn't get to finish it. He's coming back to finish the thing now. Not only did he put all of this together. You know, all, all the Bible verses and the people. He did this in three months because he got really, they were like, he got released three months ago. Is that all you've been doing 24 7 since then? Because, like, that seems like a lot of work to complete in three months. Yeah. And also, 
who was working at that hospital? Because this seems like a major red flag that you would have, someone should have noticed some of this shit. Yeah, because he, when he's going to get the baby at the end, he murders probably five or six people on his way. And I'm like, is no one working here? And like, is there Not no, anymore. Is there no security guards? Did Not no, anymore. Did, did none of the patients witness or hear people screaming bloody murder? Like, there's so many questions about this. No, there's movie. just one lady in the maternity ward. That's it. Who's also still alive. So, he just got the baby. It's like, my deuces. I got what I came here for. Like, but is he just some sort of crazy ninja killer? Because like he man, they're all just the bodies are all over the hallway. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No one has noticed this. Like he's not killing every single person he's coming into contact with. Just the ones in his way to the baby. So it's like no one's there. This movie literally asks so many questions, and I don't fucking care. I love it so much. So silly. It's such a silly movie. They play it fucking. You know, besides Hollandsworth. They play it straight. Like it's a like they they're not trying to lean into the campiness. It just it's one of those movies that is just kind of campy because of of the like how they're doing the movie. And I fucking I'm here for it. Like it's so ridiculous. But there's good gore. There's uh decent acting from a few people and it's just so it's so unhinged and chaotic. Yeah, it is <laughs> a wild movie and Christopher Lambert is Oh boy. Uh, it's just so much fun because, yeah, <laughs> oh like boy. we were talking about earlier, it sounds like he's chewing on his words, trying to get it them does. out. It's like, if I say them too quickly, then I might have an accent. Yeah, and my God, I might have a stroke if I say things too clearly. Yeah, and you're like, are you good, buddy? Because you don't really... It, notice it but like if you listen for it you can just hear him straining his sentences mm -hmm. to not have an accent through the whole thing You're like okay yeah so the reveal at the end is pretty cool too because uh, you know obviously the killer takes uh one you know he takes two arms two legs takes a torso takes a head almost gets the heart but the reveal at the end is just this mishmash Frankenstein monster on this like crust, and it's just and everyone that walks in there is just like like throwing up, and I'm like, yeah, it probably smells like fucking shit in there. But the reveal is really cool. You're like, damn, that's fucking crazy. I don't know what you were thinking. What's gonna happen with him? Like, I don't know if you think he's gonna come to life because you didn't even sew him together. His body, the body parts aren't even connected. Half of them. It was very much reminding me of the end of Hereditary. <laughs> Right? <laughs> like, what the fuck is ah, going good. on? Some Roddy Corpse bits. My favorite. Oh, man. I did want to say there's this one really cool shot that I don't even understand how they did. My favorite shot of the entire movie is when Perdome is doing his best to act at the window when he's looking out at the hammock. Oh, when he starts talking to himself? And yeah. Like, what and he's he, like, what? yeah, he's like acting like he's talking to his son. But there's a really cool camera shot, and I have no fucking clue how they did it because it's the camera on Perdome, and it does this kind of, you can tell that they walked out backwards slowly with it, but then sped it up in post. And it goes back quickly, and it centers on Perdome. In the fucking front of the camera, but you can also see him in the back, and you're like, ooh, how did they do that? I guess they probably- They spliced two shots together. I was going to say either that or they- because they did kind of dip the camera to the left, so I'm thinking what they did is they dipped the camera and swapped out Perdome with some- because you can see him way in the back. It's like a silhouette. So I'm thinking that when they dipped the camera down, they just kind of had someone swap in, but it's such a cool shot. I was like, damn, that was cool. I remember the first time watching that, I had to rewind it, and I was like, that's a very nice shot. Uh, so yeah, the cinematography kind of plays this weird line of being borderline brilliant, but also borderline what the fuck is happening in this movie, because there's a lot of questionable shots, and then there's like a lot of cool shots like that when you're like, pick a lane, like, are you trying to be like artsy fartsy, or are you just trying, are you just experimenting with the yeah, cinematography? Yeah, because it's like that, that music video thing where like the square frame kind of Dip, shifts, like yeah. shifts around shifts. and dips up and down and whatnot <laughs> and there's a that just happens sporadically throughout the film with no rhyme or reason yep and i know that shot was cool but it was super weird that it was like looking at this hammock reminds me about my son getting hit by a car on a bike and you're like why is that what triggered that memory <sighs> for you they just couldn't think they couldn't get him in front of like a street or in a park know. watching a kid bike or something they couldn't do any of that in the this hammock reminds me of bikes. Probably, it's probably just reminding him of the memory of his son. I don't know. But um, the last thing I wanted to say here before we wrap up is that the killings are all leading up to... So he's killed a victim for three weeks on the Friday. You know, Christ died on Friday and was resurrected on Sunday. 
and all these killings are leading up into up to Easter and all of the people too. Not only did he find all, you know, like six named apostles with the same careers, they were also all 33, the age of Christ. And you're like, this seems impossible to do. Fuck logic in this movie. Completely just fuck logic. It doesn't matter. Just suspend reality when you watch this because it doesn't take place in this fucking world. Yeah. So uh, any closing thoughts, arguments, or anything else you wanted to say about Detective Lambert per dome? Nope. Really? I got it out. You got it out. <laughs> Pretty All sure. All right. So Come that back is, for part two when I have more feelings. <laughs> that is Resurrection from 1999. Let's get on to some post-review shit here. I got two taglines for you. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. Ecclesiastes 6.1. That's just a Bible verse. And be afraid, for he is coming. So I guess we should be afraid when Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, trivia. Actor Christopher Lambert, writer Brad Meerman, and director Russell Mulcahy were having a meeting at an L.A. hotel to discuss another project that they were working on, but the trio couldn't stop talking about resurrection and how much they liked the idea. The three soon abandoned the other film and quickly decided to make this film, and I can only thank you three for that. That brainstorming session. <laughs> on the DVD commentary, uh, director Russell Mulcahy notes that several scenes of violence and bloodletting have been shortened for the U.S. version, and the leg-cutting sequence was edited to avoid an NC-17 rating, mm. which I would love to see that version of. Um, the film was theatrically released in most of Europe, Asia, and Australia, but went straight to DVD in the U.S. That's why there's no box office for, like, money. Mm. So, uh, goofs, when John, the main detective at the end of the film, encounters the actor playing the serial killer, he is obviously holding a fake baby. It's very clear and obvious. Oh, it's a rubber baby. It's a rubber baby because it's rubber very baby, little, 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 rubber baby. <laughs> yes, that. Uh, this is also the my only problem with this movie is Chris, a veteran detective police officer, never bothers to check the fake agent's identification, and he could have figured out quickly that this man was impersonating a federal employee by calling the federal uh, bureau of investigation and seeing if this agent was real or not. He could have arrested him on the spot and stopped him right there. He does none of this. Uh, it would be very stupid for a for even a rookie cop to not like look into, especially since he came and volunteered himself. Exactly. FBI agents often just pop up out of nowhere. Usually, to help. yeah. Usually they're like, "Hey, I was sent here because of the nature of this case," and I think they they're just I think they just go with it because they're you know at that point it was a serial string of murders because there has been three people killed. But you're like, it only matters if it co- uh, crosses. Oh, um, I know state, like state lines. lines. Yeah. yeah, that's the only time the FBI would get involved. So I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, rated six point one out of ten. On IMDb, 2.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Has a 17% on the tomato meter. <laughs> Boo! And a 49% audience score. All right, everybody, hold on to your fucking, hold on to your fucking pants here. 4.5 out of 5. Oh, my God. Fucking love this movie. It's fucking brilliant in the most ridiculous way. Let me guess. You're going to give it a 3. I was going to say 2.5. 2.5! I'll let you have the 3. Two because and a half. they didn't not take the leg. <laughs> That was pretty awesome. I, me- I remember you literally were like, okay, so he didn't get that leg, and uh, Hollinsworth got shot in the leg. If they don't take his leg, I'm going to be pissed. And then <laughs> they did. So I was like, I'm going to rate this lower, because that's just <laughs> a stupid waste of leg. Similar movies according to Letterboxd, we have Seven, Saw, Copycat, The Bone Collector, and Taking Lives. Similar movies according to IMDb, we have Night Moves, Bad Moon, Fortress, Blood and Donuts, and and Then She Was Gone. You didn't get any funny reviews, did you? No, I thought everything I said was pretty funny. <laughs> All of mine are from Letterboxd. Three and a half stars from Wooter Day Brookier. Ah, good. Some nice gore and visuals in this seven wannabe. Although I do like Christopher Lambert, he really isn't good at all when he needs to show emotion. Leland, <laughs> Leland Orser, on the other hand, was great. And I agree with that. Uh, let's see. Next up from... Here we go. Next up from Sounds Orange, two stars, great gore, sadly let down by Lambert's wooden acting and amateur camera work. <laughs> two and a half stars from, oh God, two and a half stars from Bloody Queef, ew. So, so seven wannabe, which is all fine, except Lambert just fails to carry the film. One plus one equals two was fuck me hilarious and credit where credit is due. At one point I did say, shit, is that a real fucking baby? 2.5 out of 5 wet pussies. Ew. Uh, and then finally, one and a half stars from Rafael Martinez. 
If you've ever watched Seven and thought to yourself, yeah, I guess this was pretty good, I suppose, but what if they weren't fucking cowards and instead had zero stakes or sympathetic characters, then boy, oh boy, do I have news for you. Okay, here you go. Oh. I have one for you that has no star rating on it. (laughs) At one point, Lambert is trying to solve a clue that involves Roman numerals, and he is writing down one plus one equals two. (laughs) That's the whole review. They're just like, buddy, did you really need to write that out? Because I'm concerned. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Bad news, guys. We weren't able to get Pitt, Paltrow, Freeman, or Spacey, but we're in talks with the guy who fucked a prostitute with a knife, G. G. Willikers. What? Fucked a prostitute with a knife? I have some follow-up questions to that review. What? Anyways. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Slasher App at Frightmares Podcast. Our email is stayspooky at outlook.com. You can follow me personally on Letterboxd at Dr. Proctor. You are Watson LMP90. Yep. Yeah, boy. Next week, me and Spencer will be back doing a very campy movie from the 80s that has two names, and you're going to have a fun time trying to find it. So, yay. Hooray. Until then, stay tuned and stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>